Today's podcast is sponsored by Banner of Truth. Boom! Banner of Truth is an evangelical and reformed nonprofit publishing house that puts out the best historical and modern works from the reformed tradition. Check them out at banneroftruth.org. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion. This is a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice, but from a Reformed Baptist perspective. That's wonderful. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the calm and super chill lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. How are you, brother? I am feeling quite good, brother. And um, what has the Lord been doing in your life lately? Well, the Lord in my life has been uh, impressing the importance I can't even do this. I can't even do it. I'm just saying. It's just weird. because, like, we would say the same thing, but just as soon as we talk chill like that, it makes me want to go to sleep. I can't. I do, do kind of want to go to bed right now. Okay, well, don't. Let's, let's, right. So, what's God been doing in your life, man? What's going on? Uh, he has been really uh, impressing upon me uh, the need to forgive. Ooh, I know we're going to talk about later. Yeah, we're we're going to get to that uh, in a few like next week, I think. Yeah, and but that's just something that really because you know things that we talk about. There's some things that we talk about because mm-hmm. we're actually dealing with them. Right. And we're actually going through these issues. Um, it's a good thing forgiveness is easy. So that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, no? I mean, for you. Okay. I doubt it. I don't. Actually, I know it's not. I know it's not for you. Oh, man. I'm super chill. You are. You I'm, are not. I'm super There's chill. a reason why we call you the angry dwarf. Because <laughs> so, you're mean. No. Because you don't know how to treat are. people. Respect your elders, son. No, no. That, call that, me angry dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. So, you deserve it. Uh, yeah, forgiveness is hard. I know, like, you know, you say that you've been, you know, God's teaching you, pressing you in that area. Um, God presses me uh, in that area. Lately, honestly, he's been pressing me in a, in a different area. I mean, more holistic. It, it, it engages on that level. But I was just talking to the pastoral development class about it. And that it's just, it's really the issue of, of, of sobriety and godliness. And I don't mean sobriety, like, in terms of not drinking alcohol. Yeah, I'm about or to say, I was drunk. like, what? But I mean, a, a sense of, of soberness in those key areas of life, because I, there are certain things I take very seriously and certain things that I appropriately do not take seriously. But um, I'm, I'm just, I'm sensing a lot of corruption in my heart, and I want to see the Lord deal with those things. And all of that, really, are, all of those things are, are really theological issues. Those are, yeah. those are deeply rooted in Scripture, and they are answered by the truths of God revealed in Scripture. Yeah, and before you know, we get on to like today, we're talking, or you talked with uh, Dr. Uh, Jim Renahan. We need to talk about today's the last day. Oh, it is the last day. It is the last day. I wasn't day. even thinking about that. No, we need to let people know. Okay, so if for some reason uh, the Lord has not revealed to you yet that we are giving away the best podcast giveaway of the year, ain't nobody got this. No. Now this is this is this is all banner of truth and doctrine and devotion. We are giving away huge banner of truth uh, sets. We're giving away the sixteen volume set of John Owen's Man. collected works. We're giving away the the forty eight set of the Puritan paperbacks. We're That's giving right. away the four volume set of the complete writings of John Murray. We're giving away the three volume set of the works of John Bunyan. We're giving My it gosh. all away. We've already ran through this. You haven't missed your opportunity though. Today is the last day to enter. So go to our website doctrineanddevotion.com slash D-D-B-O-T. That stands for Doctrine, Devotion, Banner of Truth, so you can remember. So go to DoctrineAndDevotion.com slash D-D-B-O-T. Find out how to enter to win one of those sets. Every library needs them, and uh, we want you to get in on it while you can, because tomorrow we're going to announce the winner. That's right. 
Boom. Stay tuned. So theology, banner of truth, uh, you know, Jim, the fact that Jim has a hard heart and doesn't want to forgive anybody, <laughs> the fact that I'm an ungodly weirdo, and um, all of these things are rooted in theology, and yeah. uh, that's what we've been kind of going back to this week is just the big picture of what theology is and why it's important. And I had the chance to sit down with one of the greatest Baptist theologians alive today. When I was in New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, I was able to sit down, not only with James White, we've already shared that yep. interview, that was a good time, but I also got the chance to sit down with Dr. J-Dog, Jim Renahan. Is that, is, does he allow you to call him that? Oh, yeah. You be, listen to the interview. Uh, I, I, I get him to say, um, uh, Big Mama Jamma. Like, that he's a Big Mama Jamma? No, but uh, related. I got, I got Dr. Renahan to say, Big Mama Jamma. On the podcast. So he's cool. He's chill. All right. Um, because he said big mama jamma, that means he's cool and chill. Uh, people don't say that unless they're chill. For sure. So that's, that's the only barometer? Well, is- it's, it's one hallmark. It's an indicator. Can I get to the thing? All right. You can get to the thing. All I'm right, just so saying. Dr. Renahan is one of the Your barometer is flawed. No, my barometer is dead on point. No, it is not. It's been I, fully calibrated, no, son. We know people that say big mama jamma, and yeah. they, they ain't chill. I don't know anybody that says that. Name uh, one. Name them. No, I'm not. Go ahead. They, you can't. They, no, no, they listen. No, you can't because there isn't one. There uh, is one. Good excuse. No. Good, I, oh, okay. I'm whisper, not going to say whisper, it. Whisper. Whisper. I won't, won't tell anybody. No, you're going to tell. No, it's no gonna, I know what's going to happen. No, I Listen. Is it, is it Pastor Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Pat's chill. But I don't think and he says Big him. Mama Gemma. Um, all right. So we had a, I had a chance to sit down with Dr. Renahan and talk to him, not just about theology in general, but specifically about something that uh, the Reformed Baptists have been writing about beautifully. And uh, this is an issue that I think everybody should take seriously, should get into, and uh, they've supplied the works for you to read. So um, check out my interview with Dr. Renahan on divine impassibility. It was a really good time. I think it's going to encourage you in the right way. So check it out. Well, I'm finally getting a chance to sit down and chat with... Dr. Jim Renahan. I've been reading his, his books and I've uh, been really challenged by uh, the, the whole ministry of the Institute for Reformed uh, Baptist Studies. And um, wow, I, I'm just grateful that you made time to sit down with us. I'm really glad to be here, Joe. Uh, Jimmy's not here. Uh, we're missing, we call him Fofo. His name is Jimmy Fowler and uh, it's, it's just not the same without him. So uh, Sorry you're missing, Jimmy. We we wish you were here, man. Uh, it's been a really, it's been a really good time. I, I, I am honestly, I, I was excited to to meet you and to meet James White, um, but I just didn't know what it would be like. I mean, you don't know people until you. Uh, are there are there going to be any laughs? Uh, you know, is it just going to be awkward? And especially, I think for a lot of us, when we look at those in the academic world who, uh, and I'm not trying to embarrass you or make you uncomfortable, but guys who are crazy smart, really brilliant theologians you kind of wonder they're probably gonna be weird the probably gonna be a little strange um and you're not straight now you're the people in new zealand are much stranger than you are <laughs> and pastor michael beck is strange uh but i've just felt like wow really comfortable and good fellowship and good conversation and and good laughs so now you are a um obviously a pastor theologian which should be a redundancy but we have to say it that way today okay. uh you're a pastor theologian how many years of pastoral ministry uh uh 32 at this point wow yeah wow, that's great um you're a professor and are you the dean yes of uh irbs mm-hmm. and uh you are also a writer what people don't know though is that you're kind of a rocker too 
That's true. You are kind of a rocker. I people, am, yeah. people don't. Uh, so, like for example, now December's rolling around. Most people are thinking about Christmas. They're thinking about Advent, but not you. You're what not, am I thinking about? I think you know what I. Th- you you know what I think you're thinking about. You're, th- you're thinking about December 9th. Well, maybe, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, what's December 9th? Uh, there's a new acoustic Neil Young <laughs> release that day. <laughs> he's 70, and he's still a hard rocker. The guy oh, he's is rocking really, Oh, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I, was so, I was surprised to hear that you were, uh, that you were a huge uh, Neil Young fan. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And something that's, uh, that's new... Is if we can we talk about this new venture, this new hope? Oh yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I'm a big believer in seminary, seminary education. I think that's uh, an incredibly important uh, training ground for ministers. Um, I know I was greatly blessed by Bible College and seminary, um, and you are in the process with others of launching a seminary in Texas. Well, we're well down the road to seeking the Lord's will and uh, hoping that it will all come to pass. No, we haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Right. No final decision has been made, but uh, things are moving forward. Now, why start it? We've got seminaries all over. and te- You're going to Texas? Texas. We've got tons of seminaries in Texas. We don't need a seminary there. We, okay. <laughs> uh, where should we go then? Why do we need, why do we need, well, why do we need a seminary? Well, um, we, we want a place where men will be trained um, uh, by uh, professors, pastor scholars, to use your term, or pastor theologians, um, who are committed to the Second London Confession of Faith mm-hmm. and uh, have, a, have a fully orbed uh, theological education to go out and serve in churches. Uh, my generation of men is uh, at the verge of retirement. We need pastors to replace us. But uh, we have a vision for church planting and missions, and we need we just need more men. Yeah, and uh, I, you know I could I could give you the whole speech. Um, I, I work now with Westminster Seminary in California. They just had their thirty fifth uh, graduation. They've had eleven hundred graduates in thirty five years. Wow. And so I look at that and I say that's a realistic possibility for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they started in exactly the same way that we anticipate starting, uh, with just a handful of faculty and a their their first. Uh, student graduation was one student. Wow! In their first graduation, and wow. now they've had eleven hundred. So that's a realistic possibility. And I think, um, you know, what what kind of impact could there be around the world in mm-hmm. thirty five years right. with eleven hundred men who have been well trained? And Texas makes sense. It's the, the middle of the country. Uh, there are a lot of churches there. We we want to see our men distributed among many churches mm-hmm. and the faculty as well. Uh, there's an international airport so that we can very quickly bring in. Uh, adjunct faculty from virtually anywhere in the world yeah. uh, to Dallas Fort Worth. There is the accessibility of big time theological libraries. We can join a um, program that will allow us access to some really first rate right. libraries. So the resources, everything's just right there in Texas. Now, um, you know, some people might be thinking like, okay, well, we have Baptist seminaries. Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe it's like so not every. Like, you know, we talk about this podcast. You know, being a, a podcast that's really coming from a Reformed Baptist perspective. We mm-hmm. talk a lot about the 1689, mm-hmm. but still, some people are all they're hearing is Baptist. We've got Baptist seminaries all over. What's different about a Baptist seminary that holds to the Second London Confession? Yeah, well, you know, you use the term Reformed Baptist, and we use it. It's in in the name of our institute, and. Pardon me. I'm sure in some ways it'll be in the in the name of our new school. 
Um, uh, we we love and appreciate other Baptists. We're we're part of that that stream, uh, but we have distinctives, and and we you know we go all the way back into the 17th century. We think that those guys got it right. Mm-hmm. That they reflected uh, really the the cream of the Reformation, and in some ways, without trying to be arrogant, the end of the Reformation. Yeah, they totally they they took on the the views of those who went before them, but they believed that there had been some deficiencies when considering the nature of the church right. and baptism and its relationship to the church. And we think that they're right. And you know, a lot of Baptists today, uh, good men, good friends of mine, but uh, they don't quite see it that way. And they're they're more into other ways of doing church, other emphases in theology. We we just we love the Reformation, we love the Reformed faith. We are Baptists. We want to see churches like like that mm-hmm. uh, extended. And and you know that's the roots of American Baptists yeah, as well. Yep. Really, uh, the Philadelphia Confession of 1742, printed first by Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia. Uh, that's our confession of faith as well. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, we're in many ways we're getting back to the roots of both the English and the American Baptists. Oh, see, I think I think it's exciting. Um, you know, I was going to go uh, when I left Bible college. My my original plan was to go to Reformed Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good in, school in Orlando. Yeah, great school. And I had a buddy go in there. We were going to go there together. But I really I did want a Baptist because I was I was convictionally. A Baptist, confessionally mm-hmm. Baptist mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by choice. I didn't grow up in that, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go to a Baptist school, a good Baptist school. But they're, I mean, what, they're not. I wasn't excited about any of it until I saw in the in the early to mid nineties what was happening with Al Mohler at Southern Seminary, mm-hmm. and uh, I was excited because I I knew uh, Doctor Nettles. I had read mm-hmm. his books mm-hmm. and many others, so I went there. And I love Southern Seminary. I had a great experience there. Uh, Midwestern Seminary is another great Southern Baptist seminary. But I'll be honest, if the Institute for Reformed Baptist Studies had a seminary available, there would have been no question or confusion where I would go. Mm. Uh, mm. It is so exciting. And I'm not a part of your association. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist. But uh, you know, the I don't find... Better, more exciting, uh, especially even today that's being written books and theology, except for what's coming out of our, our Reformed Baptist theologians. And we're going to talk about one, one issue that you guys have actually written three books on <laughs> recently that, uh, that are super exciting. But the confessional heritage, the clear confessional heritage, and the um, not just the theological accuracy, but the way that you guys write about theology and push it into its its normal experiential realm. Like mm-hmm. these are doctrines that we should be experiencing. They should be having an impact on our piety, mm-hmm. not just our intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I really I have I've been since I heard about it, I've been praying that this seminary would become a reality. Oh thanks. And uh, tech, I think Texas is brilliant because of Shipley's Donuts. Uh, I know that uh, that's where I mean I have another excuse to go there now. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because uh, some of our our best supporters, besides Baptists, have been Presbyterians, right? Who who recognize that there is a, a niche for something like this, and uh, who have really been counselors mm-hmm. and helpers, advisors, encouragers, and and even some of them, if I could name the names, which I won't, uh, but names that people would say, "Whoa, guys have come to me and said, I'd be glad to come and teach class for you." Right. And uh, so we're really thankful for that. This, this is, we, if it happens, we view it as a forward advancement with the help and support of many brothers in yeah. different 
communions. I don't know if that's the right word yeah, to yeah, use, yeah. but you know, in different kinds of churches. So yeah, well, people go to you know an evangelical free seminary like uh, mm-hmm. Trinity, like right? Tides, yeah, and and they're not they're not evangelical free, right? Or they'll go to Southern Seminary and they're not Southern Baptist. Right. It, you go to the, you go to the school that's best suited for you right. and your your, your right. education right. and right. all of that. So, man, I, I think this is uh, going to be great. So one of the things that um, I wanted to talk to you about, or the main thing I really wanted to hear you talk about and share with our audience is the the issue, the idea, the subject of divine impassibility. Okay. So some of them are already going, I don't know what that is. And if I'm honest, I remember I was a freshman in Bible college and somebody brought up the, uh, the, this idea of divine impassibility and I had no idea what it meant. And then when he explained it to me, perhaps somewhat poorly, I was horrified. Hmm. I, I did not like this. Hey, Fofo, he's texting me. Um, thanks a lot for interrupting, dude. Okay. So uh, <laughs> he's here with us anyways. So I, uh, when I, when I, I just, I, I even got angry. I remember I got angry. I'm like, what mm. are you talking about? Like God loves God. And, and it, cause the, the, the presentation was essentially God doesn't have emotions. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't feel. And I just, I felt like it got dumped on me. But now having studied it and come to understand what divine impassibility is, I find it to be comforting mm-hmm. and assuring. Mm-hmm. So could you explain to us what divine impassibility is and why it matters? Yeah, the, I think a simple way to put it is to say that uh, God does not have emotions that are analogous to our human emotions. Uh, one of the mistakes that we frequently make is that we read into God our own knowledge of ourselves and assume that God is just a greater version of what we are. Right. It's a mistake that flows from the idea that we are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So there are certain characteristics that we have that mirror God. But we can't say that God has characteristics that mirror us. So right. you and I have emotions. We we get angry. We love our wives and our kids and our friends. And, and all of these things happen in our lives. And we say, wait a minute, you're telling me that God doesn't do this? And basically, yes, that's right. That's got, that's what. But don't take it too far. Don't go to the other extent to think that there is nothing in God. So I guess we need to pursue that, don't we? Right, because one of the things that, that really helped me in this is when you explain like what um, what passions are. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sixteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. we're told that that God is without passions, without parts, without passions. Right. So maybe you could unpack that for us and explain what the problem is with yeah. God possessing passions. Yeah. Well, it's a package in in the uh, it, it has its roots way back into the sixteenth century, but it appears in the thirty nine articles of the Church of England and then in the Westminster Confession. 1658, the Savoy Declaration of John Owen and Thomas Goodwin in the Congregationalists. And then the Baptists pick it up in 1677 when they write the Second London. And that the package is a, a phrase that says, without body, parts, or passions. So there are three things. Most people look at that and they say, okay, God doesn't have a body. Although, strangely, there are those who read the, the texts that say that God has an eye or the yeah. arm of the Lord is strong. And they say, well, that m- must mean that God has some kind of physicality to him. He must have a body, right? Including wings and a lot of things. Yeah, 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 right. But they'll so, say that there's some sort of corporal... Like, right, because they're reasoning from what they know up to God. Right. So we deny that God has, God has body. Then God has parts. He's without body parts. That there's, there's no, nothing that makes up God that he's not a composite being, he's a simple being. Um, if God were made up of more than one part, there would be something greater than God that makes him into those parts. 
And so God is simple. The, the old saying is whatever is in God is God, mm-hmm. you see. So God is without body, God is without parts, and it's necessary then to say that God is without passions, passions being um, basically equivalent to human emotions, although in historic, historically for Christians, passions has tended to have the implication of something bad. Right. Um, it, it comes from the Latin word, it means to respond to suffering, or to suffer itself. Mm-hmm. And we deny that that is true of God. Now that doesn't mean then that God has no... Uh, I'm not sure that the word emotion is best. You know, the, the word emotion didn't come into the English language till about the beginning of the 19th century. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. If you look it up in the Oxford English Dictionary, you'll find there's very few uses of the family of words of emotion. It's it's there, but it's rare. But it begins to be used when even when modern psychology is in its the early stages of its development. So when you read the older writers, they're talking about affections right. and passions or feelings are more common than the word emotions, all right? So I use the word emotion, but it's anachronistic. Yeah, when, to import that back. Right, when referring back. So, so that's, I have a little bit of discomfort with the use of that phrase. But what, what, what the Bible teaches us is that, for example, the love of God. Let, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that, okay? Yeah. The love of God is something that's eternal. God loves eternally. Uh, John tells us that God is love. Mm-hmm. And so the love that God has is an eternal love, not a changeable love. Not a love that grows and decreases because of my actions or your actions. Now, let's face it. Okay, I've been married for 38 years. And I loved my wife when we were married. I love my wife much more now today. My love for her has grown in 38 years. Okay, uh, nothing wrong with stating that fact. Sure. But the love that God has for me as a member of the elect is the same from eternity. Right. And it will never change. It is always the same. So that's a genuine love. If we can call it an emotion without all of the implications of human emotions, right. it is true. God loves, but God loves in a way that's very different to the way that I love. And better. And that, that's, right, that's right. And, and you see, when, when you begin to think through this and recognize that, that what we say about God must be said about him eternally, mm-hmm. as he is in his essence, it becomes, as you said before, tremendously pastoral and yeah. helpful. Because in the midst of the, the troubles of my life, when tragedy and disaster comes, or in the lives of the people that I serve as a pastor, and I can say, God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know uh, someone comes and they say, I've fallen into terrible sin. Right. I think I've committed the un- unpardonable sin. What did you do? Well, I did such and such. And you respond to them and say, but God loves you. You yeah. see, God loves you. Are you ready to repent? Mm-hmm. Do you seek it? his forgiveness, then you can be assured now that his forgiveness is as real as it was when you first professed him 15 years ago. Yeah. The, the, the love of God is unchangeable. So he is, he's without passions in, in the sense that he doesn't have changeable human emotions. But he certainly is a God of mercy yeah. and kindness and love. But those things are eternal qualities in God. Virtues is one of the words that the old writers used about right. them, They're, or perfections. Yeah, that's you know, what I love, Like the that we say God doesn't so much have affections like we do that are subject to change, but he has perfections. Perfections, yeah. It's, it, that's so much bigger, yep. and it's so much more securing for me, yep. because like you said, I love my wife now more than I did 20 years ago, 
but sometimes I don't love her as much as I should. It like yeah, you know I mean there that, are days where I don't love her as very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's terrible. Yeah. That's 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 weakness and corruption, but mm-hmm. God's love for us is eternal and unchangeable. Right. Right. It, right. it doesn't depend upon the fact that uh, I had a bad day. Yeah. And uh, you know, I get angry with Joe Thorne because of the things that he said to me. And I do say sudden, I do say some things. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, oh no, the Lord doesn't love me as much as he did yesterday. No, he he loves me in the same way. So you know, to be to be clear for people, and we're going to recommend some books um, okay. here, but to be clear for people, God <coughs> does, in fact, love Absolutely. sinners. Absolutely. Loves his people. Absolutely. And, uh, but when we start talking about does God have emotions, we are importing uh, modern language to mm-hmm. God with a lot of baggage that can potentially create some problems. Right, right. So we're, we're not saying that God doesn't love, that God doesn't hate, that... Um, that God doesn't have these perfections, these eternal perfections. Um, but we are saying that he doesn't feel like we feel. That's right. In, in, yeah. in, so, but what's, okay, so what's the big deal? Is this, is this just like nerd time? Are we just nerding out about theology and this has no implications for anybody? Well, I, I hope not. Uh, first off, we're talking about God. Yeah. Okay, and we have to be very careful to do our best based upon what Scripture tells us to worship the true God as he reveals himself to us. Mm. So if that were the only implication to say it is necessary for us to know God as he reveals himself and understand him properly, that makes this an important doctrine because right. we're talking about God, yeah, not something else. But I, I think an, the other side of it perhaps is that the doctrine of divine impassibility as rejected in the really in the 20th century you start to see some things uh move in a different direction in the 19th century among christian theologians but it's really in the 20th century that it, that it happens and um some of the men who fell into the error called open theism mm-hmm. who argue that god does not know all of the future or even perhaps that god is becoming mm-hmm. as time passes uh, they argue that it was the doctrine of divine impassibility that was the thread upon which they tugged that unwove mm. the uh, the classical doctrine of God yeah. and led them down the road to a view of God that is reprehensible, right. that denies his eternality, that denies his omniscience, yeah. that denies his sovereignty over all things, that makes God a um, a responder to the events that take place in the world. That's reprehensible. And it seems to me that they they are oh, I'm trying to be gracious. It seems to me that they are intent on protecting the freedom of man oh, yeah. above everything oh, else. Yeah. Like, like they can't they can't touch our freedom as they perceive mm-hmm. it. So everything else is up for grabs. Yep. Is that a fair That that's exactly right. Clark Pinnock for example, is is uh, his the his autobiography or or biography as it was written is really fascinating here because he he started out as a Calvinistic Baptist yeah. and ended up as an open theist and in the the nineteen seventies he was struggling with the the authority of Scripture and he, the, and the nature of God those were the two big things that were going on in his mind and uh, he, he, open theism is a, a view that protects as you said. The, uh, the the freedom of man. Well, he moves away from his early Calvinism to this Pelagianism, yeah. really, mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's because of a rejection of who God is, the classical doctrine of God. So it has really serious implications. On the one hand, it has wonderful pastoral implications that, that s support, substantiate, assist the people of God when they come to realize how great and wonderful their God is who never changes. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, we haven't even said that it's directly related to the doctrine of the immutability of yeah, God. Yeah. It's, it's just a consequence of the one and the other. Mm -hmm. They belong together. Um, on Infinite, the one hand, eternal and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and, and truth. truth. Exactly. That, that's him. That's the shorter catechism. Yeah. What is God? Um, so you have these great pastoral implications of holding on to it, and you have the dangers of the, the road. Now, some of the there are good men who hold uh, a modified view of passability. It's pretty. It's popular now. It's, it's it is probably the reigning view among evangelicals. Yeah, popular level theology books i've right. seen this in a number of them. right and and they are our brothers in christ let's yeah. recognize that and they're not at the place where clark pinnock has gone sure okay but they're on the road they hopefully will never go there but the implications of doctrines are serious and who knows what the next generation if, if they're able to stay on the path what will the next generation that's do? my concern yeah is we, we see this historically right with, exactly you know, edwards with all these guys you yeah. know that um, they, the next generation doesn't necessarily, but if we're not careful, we can, we can set them up, mm -hmm. uh, to, to go in a, in a bad direction. So, yeah. the, so the average person who is just beginning to look into all of this, um, you guys have th put, put out three books. Uh, you've put out, um, uh, a primer mm -hmm. on divine impassibility called, God without passions, God without passions. A primer. Yeah. So primer, yes. Yeah. So God without passions, uh, a primer by your son, Sam. Sam, my Renahan. son, Sam. Uh, I I don't think there's a better introduction to to this subject. I think he, it's he did fantastic. Well. Yeah. I think it's really really good. And then there is a reader that mm -hmm. your son edited. God without passions, a reader. Okay. And and the purpose of that, um, he took it upon himself to do that was to. Uh, work through the the material in the background era of the confessions to say what was the view of the theologians of that day. Right. And uh, it's it summarized in a quote from John Owen who says, it is agreed by all, <laughs> essentially, that God has no passions. Yeah. So everybody across the board was in agreement mm -hmm. in that day. And Sam simply wrote that to say, the, the argument is over what the confession means. Here's what the confession means broadly yeah. across the board. Uh, the Continental Reform, the English Puritans, everybody else, this is what's going on. So I love this because, you know, there are a few books out there that, that are on the, at the popular theological level um, that I, I do not find uh, satisfying or encouraging. I find them troubling. Uh, and so you guys have this primer that drops. You've got this uh, reader that drops, and then you drop this bad mamma jamma conf confessing the impassable god a bad mamma jamma oh it's a bad mamma jamma it's a, means, it's but... a good it's good it means it beats up all the other books <laughs> uh man i mean it is it is for me it was exciting it, um and maybe maybe there is a bit of nerddom going on in me because i i do love theology and i i on, on different levels i really enjoy it but you know these books led me to worship. Mm. They really did. Well, I mean, I just, cool. you, you marvel at the mm. greatness of God. Mm. You know, when we proclaim his excellencies, mm -hmm. uh, this is an excellency. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's yeah. more excellent than saying God is love? That's right. Oh, so um, 
this, and it's so thorough. You've got Old Testament, New Testament. You've got uh, systematic theology. All, all these different sections are broken down into this book. Um, most people wouldn't want to start with that if they're new to this. Right. Uh, so get that primer. Yep. But I would say uh, if you want to study it, get all three because you, you, you're going to have the, uh, you know, Sam's introduction to the subject, which is easily accessible. You're not going to struggle with this. Mm-hmm. You might struggle with the concept because this is big theology, mm-hmm. but not because of how it's written. Then you've got the reader that gives you the historical context. Then you've got the mamma jamma. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to encourage people to get those, um, those books. I have uh, I have another question for you though. A different. Can, can, can I just say? Oh please. Uh, rbap.net is the place, the simplest place to get the books. Rbap.net. Reformed Baptist Academic Press. Right. Right. Yep. So rbap.net, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll be pushing all of those in our show notes and everything. Okay. Uh, you guys have more than a few books. You've got some great books. Listen, uh, we, I was talking about this last night. Maybe I was talking with you about it. Uh, we've We've got some heavy hidden Reformed Baptist theologians. Like they're not; these are brilliant, sharp minds. The, I mean, I don't. It it seems for a long time. I think I felt like, uh, you know, I always I view my Presbyterian brothers as my older brothers. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a Baptist. They're my mm-hmm. older. Maybe my maybe my more sophisticated brothers. Maybe they make more money than I do. I don't know, because uh, I'm just a Baptist, right? And uh, so I love them, brothers. I've learned so much from them. I mean, all of my early learning uh, in the Reformed tradition came from yeah, Presbyterians. absolutely. Yep. So, uh, so when we look back, there is a much greater pool to to mm-hmm. to swim in in mm-hmm. terms of reading and theology. Mm-hmm. But today. For me, the most exciting stuff that's being written is coming out by Baptists. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm super thrilled. So go to um, rbap.net. You can order books there. Um, got the journal, Theological Journal. Yeah, Journal of the Institute of Reformed Baptist Studies. Our next uh, issue is coming out sometime soon. Uh, I had uh, an email from the managing editor while I was here in New Zealand with my uh, article saying the five or six issues you need to correct, <laughs> and, I, and I I haven't been able to look at it on my phone. Right, but I fly home tomorrow. Uh, hope get to on uh, get on it. Yeah, I've got a stack of those journals. Those are great. Yeah, those thanks. are oh good man. I love those. Okay, so maybe maybe, maybe this maybe we've already talked about it, but I wanted to ask you what excites you about what God is doing among Baptists today. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that can you can stick to Reformed Baptists or mm-hmm. Baptists in general, but. You know, I, I love the Church Universal. I love our Presbyterian brothers and non-denominational brothers. It's all it's all good. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Baptist, mm-hmm. and so uh, I love to look at and to see what God is doing among mm-hmm. Baptists because mm-hmm. those are my people. Mm-hmm. What is exciting you that you see God doing among the Baptist Church? Yeah, the uh, what immediately comes to mind is something that that has uh, really moved me for a couple of years. And that is uh, the quality of the young leadership that uh, that I see mm. coming up, and I mean men in their thirties, early forties. Um, uh, there are some fantastic young men, and they are um, what you just said. They're they're really bright. They know their theology, but you know what? They're also godly men. Yeah, they they take seriously uh, their love for Christ, and they seek to pursue Him. Uh, they live lives of holiness, and uh, they're also really good um, communicators mm-hmm. and pastors. Um, some of their churches are really growing well, 
the Lord is blessing their labors without and, without some of the craziness you know that we okay we see. yeah I wasn't even thinking in those terms just that I see growth in their churches yeah. and and uh, they're starting to struggle with I I think of one where they they have a big parking lot and they're wrestling with the fact that they're run out of room in yeah. their big parking lot you know and they have to think about the building and the parking lot well that that's a great problem to have to face but um, when I when I go to meetings and I stand in the midst of a group of young men and we're singing a hymn or something sometimes I'm moved to tears mm. by this generation I think I can die right now um, and the leadership the, the 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 deep thinking it's it's all these guys are way beyond me mm-hmm. already, and I, to me that is just absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Well, the younger generations, uh, they they love you, they know you, and yeah. before I met you, I mean, I heard about you all the time from my man Michael Beck, pastor here at GraceNet, and um, uh, you have been used of God in His life in tremendous ways, and it is bearing much fruit in this church here in Wellington, New Zealand. Well. They love you, and you, you are you are a testimony to what God is doing among Baptists. Just one of the many things, and it um, it's really exciting. Uh, we got to go to church. Yeah, we do. All right, so um, yeah. so people can uh, for, for more information, they can go to rbap.net, mm-hmm. get some books. We'll be recommending books specifically, so you can check that out. Um, the, you guys are on Twitter. Uh, yeah, IRBS uh, under slash 1689 okay. on Twitter, and there's a Facebook page too, Institute of Reformed Baptist Studies. Um, a couple of, uh, there's an Amazon wish list if anyone wants to buy books for our library. Yeah. Smile.amazon.com. They can search for us there, and when they buy stuff off of Amazon, they'll give us a little bit of a donation. And Right. There's so many yeah. ways that you can help out with this. The semin- We need this seminary. And I say we, like, I'm not in that club, really. I mean, I feel like I am. I'm in the club. I'm a 1689 guy, and we're brothers. But, I mean, I'm not a part of ARBCA. And, uh, but what, what is ARBCA? ARBCA the Association is of Reformed really, Baptist Churches of really America. Really friendly Baptists. <laughs> Wait, what is it? <laughs> yeah, uh, something like that, yeah. The Association of, of Reformed Baptist Churches in America. So if you are, um, you know, a Reformed Baptist, uh, Traditionally, you know, to tip ten, you're going to be in this association because that's all of these churches adhere to the 1689. That's their confessional standard. Um, you know, they're not a denomination. It's no, a, it's a Baptist association, right. which is what we're supposed to be. Yep. Um, and so, I'm not in that, but I feel like I'm with you guys. I'm one of yep. you guys. Yep. And um, man, so when I say we need the seminary, I don't, I don't mean we as Arbca. I mean mm-hmm. we as Christians. Yeah. In uh, in this country and you know all around the world, this, this would be really great. Thanks again, brother, and I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing you again sometime in the future. God willing. So divine impassibility. My goodness, are you convinced? I am convinced. Well, I was already convinced because I'm not a dummy. Aww, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> no, man, it, it's such a hard subject. Though. It's you know it is. It, listen, it's it is not. An easy doctrine. Mm-mm. It is not something that people can just skim and be like, oh, I think I've made up my mind. That's right. You really have to give yourself to the study of the scriptures and to the reading of good theologians to begin to wrap your mind and your heart around that doctrine. So right. this is um, this is just the beginning for you guys. I hope you guys will go out and get these books. I mean, specifically, God Without Passions, a primer. Uh, that is the best introduction to the subject. There is it, are is other a primer. Uh, I said primer. He he corrected me on the podcast there about like it's primer or something like that. So uh, God Without Passions, a primer. 
Uh, that's the best introduction. There are other modern works mm -hmm. out there that are tweaking this doctrine by some well-known popular level theologians, which I'm not a big fan of. So I would encourage you to start with this. That one is by Sam Renahan. Then pick up God Without Passions, a reader. That's a collection of writings from historic figures on the subject. But then, as um, Dr. Renahan said, the big mamma jamma is confessing the impassable God. Yeah. Uh, you want to pick that one up? Um, get those as when you can. And you know what? It's the holiday season. Uh, you, you have time to shop for yourself and for mm -hmm. others. And we want to encourage you to go to banneroftruth.org. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, not just them as a sponsor. We've, mm -hmm. we've loved Banner of Truth for, for decades. And um, the fact that they're sponsoring this podcast is sort of like, that is the only Christmas present I need. Like, I mean, that's such really an honor. Cool. But is. hold on. But it's not the only one I need. So, Joe, what I want you to do is I want you to go head on over to Banner of Truth, their website, and they have this Christmas sale going on. Right. You're going at least 20 to 50% off. It's amazing. So yeah. I want you to go there, and right. I want you to get me that 16-volume set. Okay. You don't have that? No, I don't have it. Why don't you? I have it. It's right up there on my shelf. Yeah, why don't well, you have it? I don't have it. So, but well, I, well, Why I don't you have it? Because you, you haven't it. got it for me yet. And anything over $50, you get free shipping. That's true. It's a good thing. So you want to head over there, uh, buy Jimmy the 16-volume set of- Or whatever uh, you guys want to get me, send me- You could just send me gift cards. And then I'll get it. Yeah, whatever, whatever it takes. But Jimmy, he has like three books, and they're all by Warren Wiersbe. Um, so <laughs> I got go more ahead. than that. I have so, I have the whole B series. That, well, that's where. Do you remember okay. the B series? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you obviously know it. So um, yeah, because it comes like Lagos you know. always includes the B series and everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen. Uh, we're we're going to have links in our show notes. So go mm -hmm. to doctrineanddevotion.com. You can find out where the links are to see the special deals. You want to get in on it. Um, get Jimmy uh, that you can get the Thomas Watson Christmas set, which is his. Three, I think that's the one we really want to. Yeah, we've been pushing that this get. week. That's it. It's his Body of Divinity, uh, Ten Commandments, and Lord's Prayer. Check it out. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we want to give a big thanks to Justin Bond of J Bond Media for producing, uh, editing, improving, uh, nearly glorifying uh, this <laughs> podcast so that it is not just uh, easy to consume, but a lot of fun as well, and we sound good. If you want to uh, encourage people to listen to this podcast, if you want to support the podcast, uh, you can go ahead and follow us and share about us through Facebook uh, which is just slash Doctrine and Devotion, or Instagram and Twitter, at Doc and Devo. Those are really good ways for you to kind of spread the word, and we would love it if you would leave us, uh, uh, as Jimmy says, an honest five-star review mm -hmm. on iTunes or any of the uh, podcasting platforms. Uh, what else, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, you can head on over to our website, DoctrineDevotion.com, click on the Contact Us page, and you can go ahead and leave us your comments with ideas, suggestions, uh, any questions you might have, uh, we read them. We can't always respond to them, um, but we do read them and uh, pray for you. Uh, you could also tell a friend. Sharing is caring. If this is edifying to you, if this is something that you find encouraging, please spread the word and let others know. We got Fresh Pod dropping every Monday and Thursday. We will see you later. You don't want to say bye? You're not going to say bye? <laughs>